Welcome to What She Said on 105.9 The Region. I'm your host, Candace Simpson. It's Earth Month, and with the effects of climate change starting to come down hard on us all with flooding, droughts, extreme temperatures, and food shortages, the best time to act was 30 years ago. But the second best time is right now. So expect to hear a lot of interviews on this show through April on products and services that are committed to doing no harm. Of course, this will be mixed in with a host of other issues we need to be keeping our eyes on, like our physical and mental health, finances, education, and of course, entertainment, from movies and TV to music and books. So let's get into it right now, starting with Andrea Donsky, who joins me on behalf of New Roots Herbal. Canadians love their supplements, spending nearly $80 million every quarter on them, but many of us have no idea how they work once we swallow them. Andrea lays out all the ways you can get your supplements from orally to topically, and then how they break down in our bodies. Sarah Landstreet retired from engineering at the ripe old age of 23 and started a bakery in Northern Ireland to teach herself about business. She then enrolled at the Ivy Business School to complete her MBA before starting Georgette Packaging, a carbon-neutral packaging company she runs today. Sarah joins me to share some of the details about the educational videos on recycling and composting that she makes to teach people about packaging, plus something that drives her crazy, we discuss excess packaging. And Brody brought the goods this week with some amazing movies and shows that are newly released, and we couldn't even get into them all. What I can tell you is that you won't want to miss Slow Horses with Gary Oldman or Life and Bath with Amy Schumer on Disney+. Plus. But you'll have to stick around for the rest because holy cow, what a week. Summer is just around the corner and thoughts are turning to summer holidays, but not too far from home, please. Some of us just aren't ready for that yet. Thankfully, La Boat Vacations offers luxury houseboat holidays for around the same price as a summer cottage rental. Lisa McLean, marketing manager for La Boat in North America, which is based on the UNESCO World Heritage Rideau Canal, joins me to share details on this unforgettable summer vacay. Since 2009, Water First has collaborated with over 50 Indigenous communities in Manitoba, Ontario, Quebec, and Labrador on a variety of water education and training projects. Bella McLeod is from Nipissing First Nation. A Water First intern training to become a water treatment operator, Bella is passionate about spreading awareness on how important it is to take care of this earth and all her resources. She joins me to share her experience working with Water First. Finally, L.K. Ruback from Ruback Wealth joins me to discuss planning for retirement around the income gap, which is admittedly something I hadn't even thought of before. Women need to plan differently than men to live a comfortable life in retirement, and LK wants to show us how. It's another full week at what she said with the interviews that empower, educate, and entertain. So let's jump in right now on 105.9 The Region. My ex-man brought his new girlfriend. She's like, oh my God, I'm just going to shake into the pillow over there with the hella good hair. Won't you come on over, baby? We can shake, shake, shake. Canadians 
clients love their supplements, scooping up roughly $800 million worth each quarter in Canada. There is little doubt that we're all doing our very best to stay healthy, even if we know very little about how our body absorbs them. Thankfully, New Roots Herbal wants you to know more, and they have asked Andrea Donsky to join me to share. Andrea is an international TV health expert, best-selling author, nutritionist, podcast host, and founder of NaturallySavvy.com. Welcome back to What She Said, Andrea. Thank you for having me. So nice to see you again. So let's just jump right in and let's start at the beginning. How we take our supplements. I mean, I think of a pill, but there are other ways, correct? Absolutely. We could take it orally. We could take it um, sublingually. So underneath our tongue, we can take it topically. You could take it actually nasally and you can even take it in your eyes. So there's different ways. And even in some cases, vaginally. So if you think of like feminine flora, right? So you can even take it that way. Okay. So we're talking about the different ways we can take our supplements then and um, and also get how we're going to get into absorption, how important that is. Uh, so let's start with the most obvious way then, the oral way. So you could take it, like you said, swallowing a capsule or a tablet. So you could just take it a little bit of water, swallow it down, or you could take it some lingually. So that's under your tongue. And the reason why that works really well is because the area under our tongue is very vascular. So it works as a really great transportation method for nutrients to get into, kind of give you like a quick hit of energy. So if you think of, for example, vitamin B12, most of those are taken underneath the tongue. I mean, you can take it in a capsule format as well, but most of them are made to go under the tongue. And that's why, because it dissolves quickly with a lot of the, um, you know, it's so vascular. So then basically it gets absorbed quickly and gives you that quick hit of energy that B12 is made to do. The other way, you know, the other thing when you think of taking it under your tongue as well is oregano oil. So oregano oil, I don't know if you've taken that before, Candice, or not, but I love oregano oil. And we always say when you take it, take 10 drops under the tongue, wait 10 to 15 seconds, and then shoot it down with some water. And the reason, again, is because it gets absorbed so quickly. So that's why those are two, you know, oral ways that you can really look at taking your supplements. Okay, so we've got it in our body. What happens next? So what happens is, is when we swallow a capsule or a tablet is it gets, you know, first of all, when you think of digestion, it actually starts in our mouth with saliva. So when you look at food and you start to salivate or you hear about it, your mouth starts to get a lot of saliva. That's because your digestive process is starting. Our enzymes are starting in our mouth. Then we swallow it, it goes to our stomach. Our stomach is where it actually gets broken down. So I don't know about you, Candice, but when you think about stomach acid, like what comes to mind? Oh, I, I think about, you know, acid reflux or when it comes up in my throat and it burns a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Wrong, right? So you think of strong stomach acid. So that's the, that's the role of stomach acid. It actually has a very low pH because what it, what it does is it's there to break down the food. And the lining of the stomach is very strong. So that acid doesn't go anywhere else other than the lining of the stomach. So it gets to the stomach, it gets broken down. And then from there, it goes to the intestines, the small and the large intestine. And the intestine is where we actually absorb our nutrients. Now, there are certain nutrients that can't make it past stomach acid because it's so strong. So you think of like acidophilus, like our probiotics. Those can't really make it past the stomach. There are a couple of that are a little bit stronger than others, but um, most of them can't really, they won't survive it. So that's why you want to look at like a probiotic that has enteric coating or some type of technology that doesn't allow it to get broken down until it passes the stomach. From there, it goes to the intestines, like the large and the small, where it gets absorbed and then eliminated from the body. Okay, so so nothing actually gets absorbed through the stomach then, Ex Okay, so it's not, that's not where the magic happens. 
No, the magic happens in the intestines. And that's why gut health is so important. Okay, so how long does it take actually to get through uh, the stomach then and start to actually work? So food takes about an hour to get through the stomach. That's for, you know, for most of us. However, like many age-related things, as we get older, things don't work as efficiently. Um, so it could take quite a bit longer for it to go and move through the stomach. And the other thing that there's a couple of things that affect digestion in the stomach as well. So if we're stressed, our stomach will actually stop digestion. So it won't allow us to digest our food because we're supposed to be busy, you know, chasing, you know, running away from a tiger or a bear. Right. So it's really important that, you know, you know what we're eating, how we're eating, but also how we're feeling at the time really comes into play. So if you find that you're super stressed, either stay away from eating in that moment and allow your body to do what it needs to do. Or before you sit down to eat, take a couple of deep breaths, make sure that your surrounding is, you know, calm. And I know it's not realistic for so many of us. We're busy moms with kids and businesses and husband, like, or, you know, family or whatever it is. So it may not be realistic, but as much as you can to set yourself up for success from a more relaxing environment, that is really key. And that will help with digestion. So you, you had mentioned that it's really important to have good gut health then. So why is that so crucial? So gut health is really important. So right now what the research is showing, so we have our brain our, in our head, but the research is showing or we hear a lot about our second brain, which is our gut. So the gut is the foundation for so many different things. It's the main communicator in our body as well. So having a healthy gut is really important. For example, for making neurotransmitters like serotonin, we now know that 70% of serotonin is made in the gut. That's our feel-good neurotransmitter. And there's a very long uh, uh, nerve called the vagus nerve that goes from our brain to our gut. And we now know that when our brain is unhappy, our gut is unhappy. And when our gut is unhappy, our brain is unhappy. It's like the two-lane highway. So that the importance of our keeping our gut healthy also affects us, you know, affects digestion, it affects immunity, but it also affects our mental health and so many different things. So that's why it's important that we keep our digestion healthy. And how can we do that? So again, you have the lifestyle factors like the, you know, like triggering your stimulating your parasympathetic nervous system as much as you can, going for walks in nature. Um, meditation, or I actually spoke to someone yesterday about something called unmeditation, meaning just relax yourself. It doesn't have to be so structured, right? It can be spending time with an animal, watching a funny movie, anything like that, that you feel like it's going to relax you, deep breathing, anything like that's going to, it's going to be good for you. And then the other thing is obviously through our nutrition. So looking for food that have whole foods, you know, you look, you want to eat whole foods, things that nature, they're, they're, you're found, they're found in nature, right? Lots of vegetables, which have fiber. Fiber is really important. We need to get that 25 to 35. I know it's only a number, but it's for many of us, having that number is helpful to help get fiber into our body, which helps us with elimination, right? Getting rid of things from our body that we no longer need. Um, you know, getting things, eating foods like probiotic-rich foods, like kimchi, like sauerkraut, like miso. Prebiotic foods, which are our vegetables, actually feed the good bacteria in our gut, which is probiotics, right? Um, and then you can also want to make sure you could take a probiotic. Actually, you can take capsules like we talked about. Just make sure that it, again, survives that stomach acid. It has the enteric coating. And then also drinking. Hydration is really important for helping to maintain it. So there are so many aspects that come into play in exercise, of course, that, you know, it's really key to keep our, our digestive system healthy as much as we can. And you could take things, by the way, you can take like a digestive enzyme if you need help. Currently, I'm taking some digestive enzymes that have hydrochloric acid in it that actually help to break down the food because right now I need it. So if you're eating cooked food, you're over 35, our HCL starts to decrease. So taking something like an enzyme could be really helpful. 
So what I'm getting out of this, all of this then, is that really if we want our other supplements to work, we really do have to make sure that our gut is in the best shape possible first. Yeah, because that's where the absorption takes place. Right. We are what we absorb, right? <laughs> that's true. Uh, and and if, if how I feel today is any indication, the wine last night was not doing a good job today. <laughs> For me. Oh my gosh. Alcohol throws me off completely. So I totally get it. <laughs> So it would be a good idea to maybe have some probiotics today. Uh, for there you go. And drink a lot of drink, a lot of hydration, a lot of fluid. All right. Um, tell me that about topical applications for supplements. Yeah, sure. So we absorb 60% of what we put on our skin. So think of like uh, an analgesic, right? Like something like topical pain relief. So it's a really good way that you can absorb nutrients as well. Now, you could take like, for example, let's say you need magnesium. You could take an oral magnesium, but you can also take an Epsom salt bath. Again, you're going to absorb a certain amount that's in the bath that's going to go in your skin. Again, 60%. We can absorb 60% of what we put on our skin, which, by the way, is why it's really important that we stay away from harsh chemicals like parabens and phthalates when we're using personal care products because we're absorbing it, right? And then they can mess with our hormones and all that stuff. So uh, really important. You can also use like a magnesium oil topically. And then also, you know, I don't know what your morning routine is like, Candice, but for me in the morning, I'm using a cream and then I'm always using some type of oil, like an antioxidant oil. So like an argan oil or, you know, baobab or a goji or a cranberry, like something that's very high in antioxidants that's also hydrating. So again, that's another way that we can get our, you know, antioxidants into our body just by putting the good stuff on our body, which helps with uh, plumping it up. And something like a hyaluronic acid is another example, too. You can take it internally or you can put it on your skin to help with uh, making your skin more hydrated. That's interesting. I didn't realize you could take um, hyaluronic acid uh, in a capsule form. Yeah, internally. Yeah, that's, that's incredible. OK, uh, last one. Uh, nasal applications. Yeah. So again, very vascular area. So if you're going to use something nasally, you just want to make sure it's made for the nasal passages. Right. So you want to look on the label, make sure that it's made specifically for that. And then you can also use something like, you know, think about essential oils. When you diffuse essential oils, you're inhaling terpenes, right? Those are the beneficial, um, those are the benefits that you get from essential oils. So a nasal is another way to do that. And you can do, you know, you can inhale certain essential oils that help with energy or certain that help with like migraine relief or headache relief. Um, you know, so there are certain oils that you can inhale that can have other benefits as well. Okay, incredible. Uh, we've talked about probiotics a lot, but I mean, every time I talk, uh, to, to you about this, um, I'm just more and more convinced how crucial they are um, on pretty much everything, really. It's the base. So if you're taking supplements, make sure you're taking probiotics, right? They really are important. I mean, again, for digestion, for immunity, for mental health. I mean, they're for so many different things. And I believe taking a probiotic daily is really important. The amount that you take, you know, a good amount, depending, you know, the nice thing about New Roots Herbal is they do have different SKUs. So you could take different probiotics, depending what you're looking for. You know, if you just had a round of antibiotics or you even had a colono colonoscopy prep, right, which they take all the good and bad bacteria out, you want to look at something like 100 billion. You want to do it for about a month to try to repopulate all of those good bacteria in your colon. And the key is you want that ratio to be intact. You just don't want more bad bacteria than good bacteria that live. And most of it lives in our colon. So that's why you'd want to take a little bit more at that point. But, you know, from an everyday standpoint, or even if you're taking it several times a week, you know, you can look at something like a 50 billion or if you, you know, want a little bit less, they have that as well. Okay, excellent. Andrea, thank you so much for joining me today. Uh, this is, uh, as always, very informative speaking with you. Thank you for having me.
with Candace Sampson and what she said coming up on 105.9 The Region. Welcome back to What She Said with Candace Sampson on 105.9 The Region. My next guest retired from engineering at the ripe old age of 23 and started a bakery in Northern Ireland to teach herself about business. At 28, she enrolled at the Ivy Business School to complete her MBA before starting Georgette Packaging, the carbon neutral packaging company she runs today. Sarah Landstreet makes educational videos about recycling and composting in an effort to teach people about packaging. And she joins me now to discuss how to spot the packaging that won't harm the earth, greenwashing, and how we can all be part of the solution. Welcome to the show, Sarah. Thank you, Candice. Great to be here. We were talking before we started this interview, and I think this is one of the most frustrating things for anybody, is trying to determine what is actually good for the environment um, and, and then, you know, sometimes when we find something, we think, oh, this is, this looks like it's not going to harm anything. And then you find out it's actually bad. How do we make sense of all of this? Yeah. Unfortunately, there's very little coordination between businesses that are make- making packaging and municipal facilities that are recycling or composting packaging. And so everyone's just trying to kind of do their best or communicate what they can, but it's really, really frustrating for the end user to try to understand what packaging is made out of and where it really goes. So it does take, unfortunately, I think more investigation and time researching than most people can really, really feel like spending on their, on their waste. I think food is a, is a good subject. Uh, you know, there's a company in, uh, Toronto, I've had them on the show before, uh, my supply, they do reusable takeout containers, which is a great idea. Uh, you know, uh, I wish everybody would jump in on that. But for some business owners, it's not viable. It's not practical. And they, they want to make a decision. They want to have, you know, compostable packaging for customers, but they don't know where to go. Is there, is there somewhere they can go to find out what is the best choice for their municipality? So most municipalities will have something like a waste whiz. A kind of app or website that will show, hey, this type of packaging is something we can recycle or we can compost or maybe both. And this type we actually can't. So I think starting there is is maybe a good spot. I, I guess I would just say any kind of supplier you're speaking with of packaging, I would make sure that you're able to back up their complaint, their claims in terms of environmental um, aspects to their packaging with something you can see in your city. Because for instance, um, Coffee cups are recyclable in many municipalities, but they're not in Toronto. And that's just an aspect of the municipal recycling system. But those same coffee cups are are recyclable in Kitchener. So you need to look at both the product and its claims and compare that to what your city can take. And so something like that, a coffee cup that would not be compostable in Toronto, but would be in Kitchener, would you say that would be compostable in, say, somebody's own garden if they had just their own little, they composted at home? So for the coffee cups in particular, um, generally the outside is paper, the inside is lined with plastic. So those are recyclable in some municipalities. If they are um, labeled as compostable, that means that the interior plastic liner is compostable in municipal facilities. 
So I've never encountered a coffee cup that can be that can be composted in a home composting system. Most most compostable plastics are still so durable that they need uh, pretty intense composting. Um, I don't know, like composting settings in order to like truly compost. Okay, so so that's a, probably more of an example too of greenwashing, where we're told that something's compostable. You know, I I um. I can think about this with dog bags, doggy bags. You know, I bought a package thinking they, it said eco dog bags, <laughs> but there was nothing eco about them. Uh, so fell for it. Uh, so beware the green box, beware the green packaging. <laughs> exactly. So tell me then about what you're doing in your business to address some of these concerns. Yeah. So a couple of um, initiatives we have going on. Uh, one is that we carbon offset all of our packaging. And the reason why we decided to do this is because of this exact frustration, just seeing that business owners um, would love to offer packaging that is more environmentally uh, sustainable, but they can't control the fact that their city can't compost or recycle a lot of packaging. And so we thought, well, what can we do on the upstream side rather than relying on the end user to be able to reduce the environmental impact what can we do to reduce the packaging's impact before we even hand it over? And so that includes efforts like using recycled material in packaging and also carbon offsetting, which means that we calculate the amount of greenhouse gas emissions as a result of making the raw materials, manufacturing the packaging itself, and transporting it all the way to the business. And then we offset that through uh, mature forestry projects here in Canada. Um, another thing that we do is just chatting with every business owner about, you know, here's what here's what's possible in your city and trying to match the packaging that we're suggesting to not only what their city can accept, but also what citizens in that area are likely to know about so that people have, you know, the, the, they look at something and they're like, I think this is recyclable and it actually is recyclable. That's, that's important too. Uh, we also print on all of our packaging, how it can be disposed of. Strangely, there's no legislation around that. You don't need to mark on any packaging where it's made, what material it's made out of, how it can be disposed of. So we make sure we include that. And then the last thing we do is we, we've built um, an educational website, knowyourpackaging.com, which includes videos for the end user to look and learn themselves about disposing of packaging. And I really, I really encourage people to go over to that site. I went over myself and uh, I'm, I'm questioning a lot of things now <laughs> after watching your videos there this morning. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but it's good to information to know. It's good information to know. We do need to educate ourselves. Uh, I want people, though, businesses especially, to be able to reach out to you and ask you questions. So where can they connect with you? For sure. So the website knowyourpackaging.com is our educational website. As a company, it's georgettepackaging.com. And then you can find us on Instagram, where we're most active in terms of social media. All right. Incredible. Thank you so much for joining me today, Sarah. Thank you, Candice. Appreciate it. Joining me now for Saturday Night at the Movies is Ann Brody, and we have so much to get to this week. We're going to jump right in. So, Ann, tell me about Slow Horses. Oh, it's so fantastic. It's a new series, an espionage series in London 
uh, starring Gary Oldman and uh, uh, Kristen Scott Thomas. The theme song's done, written and sung by Mick Jagger. It's incredible. So it's about, it's set in Slough House, which is where all the failed MI5 spies go if they've made a career-ending mistake. And their, their job is to do nothing. They're too valuable to be left out on the street, so there's, they can't do it. So anyway, this young kid, uh, River Cartwright, comes along, and uh, he's very good. But he misses a hand over at the airport, and there's a bombing as a result. So he's sent to Slough House. His job is to do nothing, but he decides to investigate. Off he goes. Gary Oldman plays the boss, Jackson Lamb. What a performance. I mean, this guy, is, he's nailed the insult and the jadedness and the... And I mean, he's constantly passing gas, and he's, but he's brilliant. It's just, it's worth it just to see him, but it's a very good, very engaging thriller series with fun in it. All right. Uh, Nitram, you were raving about this morning. So tell me. Yes, indeed. Uh, Caleb Landry Jones, who's such a great underrated actor, stars as um, a real life young man in Australia in the seventies who had a fixation with fireworks and torturing animals and whatnot and it follows him through his life up into his 20s when he carried out one of the worst massacres in Australian the worst massacre in Australian history turns out he had an IQ of 66 he had Asperger's uh, condition and his parents did nothing to stop him so what a performance this really bright guy plays this character so realistically and he's so beautiful. And what, what happened to him was he met a 54-year-old woman. He's like 18. And he moves in with her. She dies because uh, he's fooling around with the steering wheel when they're, when they're driving. She leaves his fortune and house to him. So he now has power just out of this world. Okay. Uh, I want to touch on the last tourist briefly, only because I think this is incredibly timely as the world is opening up and tourism is set to probably explode. Uh, so tell me a little bit about that. All right. There's one fellow that we meet in the documentary who used to live on a beach in Thailand. Um, there was one farmer there, one property, one beach. That same beach is now hosting 38 million tourists a year, leaving trash, ruining the habitation, driving off the animals. So these scenes are being carried out around the world. Venice with all the cruise ships. Um and the locals are left out of it because the, the cruise lines run the economy. Instead of going to the market stalls, people shop at the high-end places on the ship. And all these museums are crammed to the rafters. They weren't meant to be for selfies of like David or the Mona Lisa. It's just, it's out of control. And Jane Goodall says we have to learn to respect the places that we value enough to go and visit. And I say, yay, yay, Jane. Very compelling stuff. Absolutely. I agree with you. All right, uh, we've got a couple of minutes left. There's and there's so much to get to. Let's talk about life and Beth. Um, Amy Schumer is sometimes hit and miss for me, but this looks really good. It is her. She writes it and directs some of it and stars in it. She plays a girl who is uh, has a boyfriend. She's a wine distributor. She lives in Manhattan, um, but things just aren't working out well for her the way she expected, and. Uh, so she goes out to New Long Island to investigate this new winery, meets a fellow who understands her and her weirdness, and 
I just want people to see it. That's that's just the first couple of episodes. It just goes on to sheer brilliance. I really like Amy Schumer. So it's a good one. And where is that on in? That is on Disney+. Plus. All right, excellent. Oh, well, there's another Disney one that we should really get to. There's so much this week. But tell me about Nate, because Disney's under uh, under a lot of, uh, you know, eyes right now with uh, their involvement with the Don't Say Gay and, and all of this. And so this actually is about a gay kid. This celebrates a very young child. I think he's 13, Nate Foster, better Nate than ever. He dreams of a life on Broadway. He and his gal pal know all the musicals. So one night they sneak away to New York from the Midwest to audition for a Broadway musical. He gets it. His family has to come to accept that this is what he's doing. And his brother, who would who would tease him for wearing lipstick, actually drives out to New York to save the day for him. This is a very powerful pro-LGBTQ plus statement by Disney, and I'm proud of them. And it's very good. And Lisa, Lisa Kudrow's in it too, so. Uh, well, always love Lisa Kudrow. And this is one of those weeks where we will never have enough time. This is jam packed. So thankfully, you also supply us with an amazing column every week on whatshesaidtop.com. And there's so much more, including Windfall, which we didn't even have time to talk about. And Woman in Car. Oh, right. So, okay. So everybody has to rush over to whatshesaidtop.com and get this full list of entertainment. And thank you. We'll see you next week. Oh, doing my best for you. Thank you, Candace. More with Candace Sampson and What She Said coming up on 105.9 The Region. Welcome back to What She Said with Candace Sampson on 105.9 The Region. Summer is drawing near and weary Canadians are eagerly making vacation plans as pandemic restrictions finally lift. Many, though, still want to stick close to home. Thankfully, the relaxing vacay you are looking for starts in Smith's Falls, Ontario, with La Boat, a houseboat holiday unlike anything you've ever seen before. Lisa McLean is the marketing manager for La Boat in North America and has worked with them since they opened their first base on the UNESCO World Heritage Rideau Canal. She joins me now to share details on booking an unforgettable holiday this summer. Welcome to the show, Lisa. Thank you for having us today. We're excited to be here. So I have to ask, are you already booked up? I feel like there's been this such pent-up demand. Yes, we did see a very big boost in early bookings, but we have 30 boats, um, 30 luxury houseboats on the UNESCO World Heritage Rito Canal. So we have lots of availability, especially if we still have space for the long weekends in May and also for Canada Day. So please give us a call and we'd be happy to try and fit you in. Amazing. So I want to talk a little bit, though, about how these boats are so different than the traditional houseboat some people might have in, in their heads. So tell me why the boats are unique. The boats are much uh, more unique because they're more built like a luxury yacht versus your traditional 1970s or 1980s houseboat that you might think of um, from watching old TV shows. So it's not a trailer on a barge. It's very much like you're cruising on your own private yacht. 
So you very much feel like the Kardashian families or Jado um, cruising on the Riviera or cruising yourself into Venice and Murano and Burano or the France uh, wine region. So it is a really unique experience. Um, we also make the boat super easy to drive. So no boat license or previous boating experience is required. That that actually shocks me. Um, so I had the pleasure of going out on one of these boats with you last fall, uh, sort of the last boat you were bringing in. And I was surprised to hear that you didn't have to have a boating license. So why is that process so easy? If you are a boat owner in Canada, you do need a boat license or something called a pleasure craft operator certificate. Um, but if you're renting a boat, I, uh, I think Transport Canada likes to let you try before you buy. So we take you through all your safety features on the boat, navigation, how do you do operation, how does your crew tie the ropes. So we teach you everything you need to know and we take you for a test drive and we also take you through your first walk. Um, so we make sure that you're 100% competent in driving the boats, um, as well as safety and navigation. Um, so we kind of give you a temporary driver's permit for the boat if you pass our checklist. Um, and the training usually takes between one and a half to two hours, depending on the skill level of the driver. Um, but if it takes you a little bit longer, we don't rush the training. We want to make sure you feel 100% comfortable. So when you're out on the waterway, you know exactly what you need to do. The boat also has balanced earth thrusters on all of our boats. So literally you push a button and it moves the boat sideways. So that makes for super easy positioning when you're docking or when you're trying to get into the lock station or when you're trying to maneuver away from a boat. Tell me a little bit about the routes you can take then out of Smith's Falls. Um, so we are operating on the UNESCO World Heritage Rito Canal. It was built in 1832 and um, receive their UNESCO um, heritage status because they um, operate the same way they did in the late 1800s. So everything is hand draped and operated by the Parks Canada team. Only two of the locks out of 47 are actually hydraulic. So it is like stepping back into time and the Parks Canada team really um, helps you navigate through the locks. They're like concierge and they'll tell you how far it is to your next lock station or to the next town. Um, so we offer three night, four night, um, or seven night holidays. So you can do a short break from Smith Falls to Westport and back. Or if you have a week, you can cruise from Smith Falls to Ottawa and back or Smith Falls in Kingston and back. Um, so we have lots of different options and we give you a sample itinerary to really help you plan your trip based on what your family wants to do, whether you want to visit lots of small towns and villages along the Rideau Canal, or are you looking for 100% outdoor activity where you get to um, more at the Park Canada lock stations, have a campfire, go for a bike ride, or stay at one of the private islands along the Rideau Canal, um, being curdled by island, and uh, explore the island for the afternoon. So there's lots of different opportunities and different experiences that you can have. I think it's really important at this point in the interview to just mention that this is a slow holiday, uh, you know, because the distance between Smith's Falls and Ottawa, for example, driving is about an hour and a half, roughly. How long does it take on the boat? It takes a week to get to Ottawa and back. Um, so the because you're on a protected waterway and it is considered a canal, the speed of the canal is only 10 kilometers an hour. So our boats are regulated to only go 10 kilometers an hour. And as you said, it um, 
It is a very quick drive to Ottawa from Smith Falls, but if you are taking uh, a boat cruise, it's not a direct route like the highway. It does um, kind of um, wander through um, protected wetlands, um, winding rivers. You're on wide open lakes at some points. So it's not a, a straight point A to B. And plus, you're only going 10 kilometers an hour, which, again, is one of the reasons why you can rent a boat without a license, because you're not on a speed boat. You're not going at a very dangerous speed. It's very controllable when you're going only 10 kilometers an hour. And again, that's the regulated um, speed of the Rideau Canal. So when you are going from point A to port B, all the boats that are on the waterway um, in the buoy system are all just going 10 kilometers an hour as well. So. so you don't have to worry about boats actually, you know, disturbing you as well when you're out on yours, right? No, and the Rideau Canal is not a very trafficked area uh, or canal. It's not a very busy canal. So there will be times where you don't see a boat, um, maybe only see a couple all day long. Um, and you are on, again, um, you're on Big Rideau Lake, um, cruising to Westport, um, so you, there's tons and tons of space for you to be on and um, you do stay quite a distance from the other boats. So Okay, so what's included in a boat holiday then? If you book, what what's included? What can you expect? Well, it is a houseboat. So you live on board, sleep, play. Um, there's a full kitchen. It comes with everything that you would expect from a cottage. So it is like a floating condo. So it comes with all the kitchen dishes, pots and pans, towels, linens, a top deck barbecue. Um, you really just need to bring your bathing suit and a change of clothes and some sunscreen and your sun hat. Um, so that's all included with your trip. We also include all of the moorings um, and the lock passes. So um, you don't have to pay every time you go through a lock or you don't have to pay at the lock stations when you're mooring overnight. So that's also included. LeBoat does offer stand-up paddle boards, kayaks and bicycles. So you can really add those onto the trip. You can bring your own floaties. Last year, I saw a ton of giant flamingos and giant swans and unicorns. So if your kids do want to uh, bring their own floaties, that's more than welcome. And you can also fish off the back of the boat as well as go swimming off the, the back of the boat because we have a swim platform and a ladder to make it easy to get on and off the boat. So tons of activities and it. I would really think of it as a floating cottage um, versus an old school houseboat. So everything's included. Okay. Except now the one last thing I would say is food. So do you bring your own? Do you help with that? What are your options there? So we have two different size grocery packs. So if you want, we can pre-put on some groceries. Um, we call them starter packs. So if you're arriving late to the base, you will have breakfast for the morning. You'll have snacks for the evening. Um, but we do also work closely with the local independent grocers. So you can pre-order your groceries and have them delivered. Um, or you can pick them up ready to deliver, or you can bring your own groceries as well. Um, but there is many grocery stores in the small towns. There's farmers markets, there's wineries, there are breweries. So if you just bring food for one or two days, at every stop along the canal, you can almost um, go into town, buy some groceries um, and pick up uh, local items um, from the local retailers or even at the local farmer's market. Sounds absolutely heavenly and just a relaxing holiday. I think everybody's looking for where can people uh, find out more and book with you? Um, so, yes, it is a perfect holiday for multi-generations, a girl's getaway, a family holiday. We're also pet friendly, so you can bring your dog or your cat. 
Um, so you, for more information, you can call 1-800-734-5291, or you can visit our website at www.leboat.ca. Um, again, it's uh, leboat.ca. So feel free to give us a call. All of our teams answering the phone have been on the Rideau Canal. Um, we've been cruising on lots of different models of boats, so we have tons of uh, stuff for you to choose from. So just visit the website or give us a call, and we're all happy to book your family holiday. Incredible. Lisa, thank you so much for joining me. I'm sure a lot of people are going to be looking into this. Yeah, we're looking forward to it. And uh, just one thing people always ask is the price. So you can get a family holiday for seven nights. Um, as little as $2,600 for a week. So um, it is very comparable to renting a cottage. Um, so we look forward to welcoming you and all of your listeners on board this summer. Incredible. Thank you so much, Lisa. Thank you. Figures. I could do exactly what you did. I wish I could hurt you back. Sustainable access to safe, clean water in Indigenous communities continues to be a pressing issue in Canada. Nobody understands the evolving challenges and needs more than the people who live there. Bella McLeod is from Nipissing First Nation, a water first intern trained to become a water treatment operator. Bella is passionate about spreading awareness of how important it is to take care of this earth and all her resources. She joins me today to discuss how Water First is working hard to make a difference now and for generations to come. Welcome to the show, Bella. Wow, thank you, Candice. I really appreciate this opportunity to speak um, about Water First um, in general, but uh, thank you for having me. <laughs> of course, this is such an important issue. So how did you personally become involved with Water First? That's a really good question. A actually social media, my mom sent it to me on Facebook, uh, the opportunity for this internship. And I, I was actually at a desk job, not very happy with it. So I jumped at the opportunity. Um, and it's the plus side is that I'm working in my community. I'm working with people that I already knew. Um, and I'm just gaining and learning so much knowledge while working at the plant and, um, Water First is um, working right beside us uh, with the training to become, at the end, a, a water operator. So pretty exciting. So infrastructure is not the only challenge, though. What are some of the other challenges right now? Yeah, there's, we actually, I got input from all of my other uh, employee, employees, <laughs> co-workers. <laughs> Acts like I'm running the biz already, but um. Maybe someday you will. <laughs> but um, other things that we mentioned that is very critical for having a proper uh, water uh, treatment plant is materials and accessibilities, especially for Indigenous communities up north that don't have, uh, like, we're very lucky to be close to a town, you know, that kind of thing, having um, that accessibility. Lack of funding is like right there. I don't know how the discrepancies can be so um, so obvious and uh, that we're still uh, struggling to have the same resources and same funding as any other municipality and um, other any other person out there, right? So 
and funding is a big thing. So other things that we would um, say would be like knowledge of management of the plants too. So like knowing that we have um, a very knowledgeable person beside us going, walking, you know, walking beside us, making sure that we're, um, that we have the right uh, plant for our community, that we have the right uh, resources and management to keep it uh, up to standard for um, other plants. So, and also just transparency and holding records for uh, provincial standards. So those are some things that we, I have more, but I could probably talk a lot about it. <laughs> so where do you see yourself going now? Do you intend to stay on as a plant operator? Uh, what is your future with Water First? Well, there's many opportunities that Water First uh, provides us. Um, their training is not just uh, operators it's actually we had a few weeks of environmental training um, which that really spoke to me um, so I'm thinking of going back to school for environmental technology and to just try to I'm in that learning mode right now might as well kind of just keep the ball rolling and learn as much as I can for my community but not just that but for uh, all communities out there so Going back to school is, yeah. If there's young people listening to this right now, are there internships available with Water First? That is a good question. I would definitely um, direct them to our Water, our water First um, website um, and all social media because they're, they're there to just, um, they want new people too. So like there is going to be more opportunities in the future. I'm just not too sure right now. But definitely keep your eyes out for any opportunities because you definitely should take it. Okay. I think everybody listening can agree that this, this needs to be, uh, you know, uh, prioritized. Uh, it's, it's very important, obviously. Um, and so I want people to be able to connect with you, find out more, and provide some funding, much needed funding uh, for your mm -hmm. organization. So where can people go and where can they find you on social media? Yes. So our social media, we have, um, Instagram, uh, first, first water NGO. And then also water, we should just go for the water first website, waterfirst.ngo, but also Twitter and Facebook as well. So that would be the main, um, uh, resources. Okay. Wonderful. Bella, thank you so much for joining me and for continuing to do this important work. Uh, it's so appreciated. Well, thank you very much for this opportunity. You have a great day. Figures. I wish I could do exactly what you did. I wish I could hurt you back. More with Candace Sampson and what she said coming up on 1059 The Region. Welcome back to What She Said with Candace Sampson on 1059 The Region. Hot on the heels of a series we just wrapped up with Ontario's Pay Equity Office on a woman's worth, it's appropriate that my next guest is joining me today. L.K. Ruback is principal and founder of Ruback Wealth, a leading wealth management firm she founded in 2012. Her mission is to provide tax-efficient financial planning to help clients build multi-generational legacies. 
Ruback Wealth is built on her vision that all clients, especially women, need to be financially independent. Today, we're going to discuss how the income gap affects women's retirement planning. Welcome to What She Said, LK. Hi, Candace. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure. So it just makes sense that, you know, um, our retirement plans would be affected because our income is so affected throughout throughout our lives. So what extra things do we need to be taking into consideration here? Honestly, everything. Uh, wealth management goes well beyond just your investment accounts and your RSPs and your TFSAs and your retirement. It's everything. It's having a will, having the proper insurance in place, understanding what you want, uh, getting some kind of financial literacy and not just following what you're told to do by your friend or your neighbor and so on. Common sense at its finest, and above all, the confidence that women can do just as good as a job that guys do, and even better because we're very disciplined. So it's uh, the the cat. Sorry, the the wage gap is is alive and well. Is there progress being made? Yes, as fast as we would like it to see, absolutely not. But what I do see is that regardless of the improvement in the glass ceiling, all these things, women are still not confident in their finances. I really like that you said, you know, all of the other things out there, because I think oftentimes you think about a retirement plan, we think about investments only, what's going to make me the most money. And we're not looking at the full picture about having a will in place or what happens if I get sick or what kind of legacy am I leaving for my children? And it is really just a bigger uh, puzzle that we need to be pulling together, right? It's, it's funny that you mention it because when we talk to clients, we, we talk about exactly that, a puzzle. Let's paint your picture perfect puzzle and let's check which pieces do you already have, which pieces are contributing to your end product and make sure that you need what you have and will have what you need. And those who have, like I'm a big puzzle fan, there's nothing more frustrating than finishing your puzzle and seeing that you have a piece missing or pieces that belong to different puzzles. So it's keeping an eye, control, clarity, and again, empowerment over your overall financial well-being, more than just your investment account. So if you were speaking to a woman today who's maybe, you know, 10, 15 years out from retirement, what would be the number one thing you would say to her? It's funny enough, I would say, what do you want to do? And then I would ask the same question two and three three times over because the first answer is usually I want to retire. Okay. Why do you want to do that? So honestly, read Simon Sinek, start with why. That's a big book everybody should read and understand why you want to retire and what do you love doing and what's important to you and how do you envision retirement and what lifestyles do you want to have in retirement? And let's figure out that you go into retirement with awareness. Can you afford it? Will you outlive it? Is there any other source of income? Are you tax efficient? Because, you know, the same way as a gap, your wage gap, if you're not tax efficient, you're leaving a lot of money on the table. So is there anything you can do to keep more money in your gene? Have the conversation with your spouse or if you're divorced, how are you going to, how are we going to do it? So it's, it's a what, what's really, truly important to you? Why? And then we reverse engineer it. We don't start with buy this, buy that, implement this, implement that, because then you're not helping anyone. You're just adding to the noise. So it's go back, ask questions. It's important to ask questions. And start with what 
the end goal is in mind, which I think is brilliant, really, uh, is just to think about where do you where do you picture yourself and what you're doing? I mean, we often say, I just want to be done with work, but that's kind of vague. <laughs> Very few people are just going to be done work and not do anything. And, and, and I think that's the biggest fear. A lot of uh, the professional women we've worked with and that they're at the end of their careers, you know, like lawyers or accountants, they say they want to retire, but retirement is nowhere near what it was before. Before you retired at 65 and people passed at 70, it was completely financially viable from a purpose point of view that they could still figure out five years, you know, going out to the sun and coming back. But a 65-year-old right now is nothing like it was before. And right now, your savings have to be enough, not only for retirement, but your lifestyle and matching your purpose. And because the day you, you stop having a purpose that you might as well just check out. And it's a third of your life. And how's your health? And do can you afford it? And you don't want to have to find a job when you're 80, right? So let's let's go in all to all of this, you know, retirement, whatever that means to everyone with awareness, not just like, okay, we'll plan. No, we don't plan when we're there. We plan now to have an impact on the future. All right. Excellent. Okay. I want people to be able to connect with you, find out more. This is such an important topic and we can really say it's about the money, but it's the money is what gives you the purpose, the reason to live, I should say your purpose. So uh, that's an important conversation to be having. So where can people find you? Absolutely. So it's normalizing the money conversation, first and foremost. So we're happy to have a complimentary conversations, consultations that we can help women uh, by email. It's E-L-K-E at rubachwealth.com. So R-U-B-A-C-H-W-E-A-L-T-H.com. By phone, the good old phone, 647-808-7700. And of course, we're on absolutely every single social media platform, Instagram, LinkedIn, um, Facebook. And we're happy to, to share. We have a lot of content there for specifically for women. And we're happy to, hear, to share. We're honestly mostly women-led and mostly female clients. And we just want to empower women to make breaking the glass ceiling meaningful and meaningful first and foremost to them. So happy to connect. Wonderful. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks, Candace. To the next one. That's it for What She Said for this week. Stay up to date with our newsletter by signing up at whatshesaidtalk.com. And be sure to follow on social at What She Said Talk on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter for videos of these interviews and more. Finally, be sure to subscribe to What She Said with Candace Sampson on Apple and Spotify to re-listen to this episode and find full details for all of today's guests. I'll be back next week with more What She Said on 105.9 The Region. Previous episodes of What She Said on 1059theregion.com.